Welcome back to Unknown Friends with Rochelle Ferguson. I'm Rochelle, and this is my podcast where I review books from my personal reading list. If you enjoy listening, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. And if you have an extra minute, you can even rate and review the podcast. Thank you so much to those of you who've already written reviews or personally messaged me to say that you're enjoying the podcast. That truly means so much. It's encouraging to hear from you. So thank you for that. As you probably know by now, I read a lot of classic novels, but I also occasionally do read from the 21st century, and I'm always delighted to find literature by contemporary writers that is well-crafted and wholesome in content. And that is exactly what I get to share with you today. You're listening to episode three of Unknown Friends, and today I will be reviewing Claire Vanderpool's children's book, Navigating Early, published just seven years ago. Now, let me introduce you to Claire Vanderpool. She was born in 1965. She's a wife and a mother of four, a Kansas native, and the author of two children's books. Her debut novel, Moon Over Manifest, was published in 2010 and won her the Newbery Award. And then her second novel came out in 2013, and that is Navigating Early. As I understand it, she was the first writer in 30 years to win the Newbery Medal with a debut novel. So that's pretty awesome. And while sometimes I admit I maybe question the authority of medals and prizes and so on, just to put the Newbery Award in perspective, it's an annual award specifically for children's books uh, given to only one book per year. And some past Newbery winners include works like A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline L'Engle, um, Bridge to Terabithia, Holes, uh, Lois Lowry's The Giver, and many, many other well-known titles. So I do think that puts Mrs. Vanderpool in pretty good company. If you check out her website, she calls herself a spinner of yarns, which I love, and I think that is perfect given her style of storytelling. She also describes herself as having a very strong connection to place, and that definitely comes through in her books. And it's one of the things that I think makes me personally feel a bond with her stories because I can deeply relate to that. As I said, Mrs. Vanderpool is from Kansas, and according to her website, she and her family live just a few blocks from where she grew up and within walking distance of where her parents live, where her sister lives, just right in the middle of all kinds of places from her childhood that have a lot of significance to her. And in her books, uh, Moon Over Manifest is set in Kansas, and then Navigating Early follows a boy from Kansas who is sent to a school on the East Coast. And so in both of these, you do get a deep sense of place, the character or personality of a place, of a community, uh, what's endearing about it, or maybe 
mysterious or peculiar, and you get a strong sense of belonging as well, or in the case of the boy who has to leave Kansas, of not belonging. And in that book, especially today's book, Navigating Early, that feeling of not belonging ties in with one of the novel's central themes, which is loss or getting lost and finding your way home again in more ways than one. But before I get into themes, let me tell you a little bit about the story of Navigating Early. No spoilers, just enough to introduce you to the main characters and the journey they undertake. So it's right after World War II, and our hero is 13-year-old Jack Baker, born and bred in landlocked Kansas, who is suddenly uprooted and smacked down in a place about as opposite from Kansas as you can get. He's taken to Maine to a boarding school for boys on the Atlantic coast called Morton Hill Academy. Jack's father is a captain in the Navy, and during World War II, he served for four solid years from the time Jack was nine. So now Jack doesn't feel like he knows his father very well. And as Navigating Early opens, Jack's mother has recently passed away, and his father came home briefly and decided to put Jack in boarding school near where he himself is stationed at a naval base in Maine. So that's the overture to our story. And the book begins with Jack at a new place among new people after having lost the parent he was by far the closest to and the home and community he's grown up in. And so understandably, he feels very lost. He tries to fit in with the other boys at the academy. He tries to figure out how to build his life now that he feels he has no roots. But he's not making much progress at first. Until he meets Early Auden. And yes, this boy's given name really is Early. And he is truly an extraordinary boy. Early has no family. He's a student at the academy as well, but he rarely shows up for class. And he lives in a janitor closet instead of in the dorm with the other boys. If you visit him, you find chalkboards with calculations and constellations drawn all over them. And you'll see a bulletin board stuffed with newspaper clippings about sightings of a great black bear along the Appalachian Trail. And uh, depending on what day it is and what the weather's like, you'll probably hear a record playing on an old phonograph. Early has a very regular schedule for who he listens to on which day of the week. Uh, unless it's raining, because if it's raining, it's always Billy Holiday. So this is the kind of person Early is. He is a creature of habit. He needs order or he'll start to feel lost. He likes words and he likes choosing them carefully, though he can be blunt and oblivious. When he believes something or has an opinion, he will not budge from it. And yet he's also perceptive 
and imaginative. He can be truly insightful about people and knows things that surprise everyone. He, uh, he also obsessively loves numbers, especially the number pi. And what's more, he sees color and texture in numbers, even stories in them. Specifically, the infinite calculation of pi has a whole narrative in Early's mind, and it's somehow linked to real life, but no one knows exactly how. So this is the boy, that strangest of boys, as Jack calls him, that Jack encounters at Morton Hill Academy, and who slowly and faithfully changes Jack's life. And funnily enough, with all his quirks, early Auden actually reminds Jack of his mother. So while early can be incredibly irritating at times, and their friendship certainly has its ups and downs, it gradually grows and Jack starts to learn what's going on deep down inside early. And what gets the events of the story really into motion is Early's plan to set out along the Appalachian Trail over fall break on a quest for the great black bear. And Jack agrees to go with him. And so over the next week or so, they encounter people and stories that they never could have predicted. And their friendship is tested and strengthened along the way. So that's all I'll say about the plot so that I don't ruin any surprises the book holds for you. But I do want to say a few things about the themes you can be looking for as you read the novel. If navigating early is about anything, it's about connection, about connecting dots to make sense of our own lives, but even more so, I think, about connecting with other people. And uh, Claire Vanderpool explores this idea in so many different ways, on different levels. It's intriguing. And so that's what I'm going to spend most of the rest of this episode discussing. You can see this in either one of her books, but especially if you've read both, it becomes that much more obvious. She writes her stories in layers. And she's incredibly dexterous with it. In each of her novels, she's telling multiple stories on top of each other. And eventually you start to see interconnections between the different stories. And you realize they're not just layered, not just stacked one on top of the other, but they're truly interwoven. And each layer informs the others. They're actually inextricable. So, for example, with Navigating Early, you have the main plot line that follows Jack Baker and Early Auden on their quest for the Appalachian Bear. But the whole time you also have Early periodically narrating the story he sees in the numbers of Pi. So there's actually a whole chapter of the book now and then that steps aside to Early's narration for a brief time, and then the next chapter will bring us back to Jack and Early's journey. So those two are the most obvious stories being told side by side. 
But then eventually you start to discern multiple hidden narratives interwoven through Jack and Early's story. Narratives that mirror the boy's journey in some way or Pi's journey or both. You have the mystery of a legendary past student from Jack and Early's school uh, known as the Fish who joined up during World War II and never came back. You have various characters Jack and Early meet along their quest who each have their own story. And you also have Jack's past, which keeps coming to the surface as he remembers significant moments from his life in Kansas with his mother before she died. In some ways, those memories are a story all their own that tie in to certain moments in Jack and Early's story. So each character has their own narrative. There's a story in the past, a story in numbers, a story in the stars. And what this ultimately accomplishes is that we discern a connection, a kind of sharing between all these seemingly unrelated people and narratives. There's an unexpected likeness or fellowship between Kansas native Jack Baker, who feels lost without his mother, and that strangest of boys, early Auden, who has no family, but loves numbers and collects newspaper clippings about an Appalachian bear. There's an unexpected connection between Jack and the father he hardly knows, and between Jack and the number Pi, who in early story wanders far from home and gets lost. And early Auden is unexpectedly similar to Jack's own mother, and early too has a journey similar to Pi's, as does the school hero, the fish, who went to war and never made it back home. There are just innumerable connections between all these so very different people. And why is this important? Because when we can recognize the stories we share, we can help one another. When I understand that my story isn't so very different from yours, I can empathize with you and learn from you and vice versa. As long as we see each other as being in completely separate narratives, there's no way for us to relate. We need to understand that we all have experienced loss and we've all gotten lost and connecting with each other is one of the best ways to start to get our bearings. Relationships, real relationships between faithful friends are a way to navigate through suffering and find our way home again. And also finding connections with people uh, opens our eyes, not only to the ways in which we're alike, but also to the ways in which we're unlike. And that's awesome. I can appreciate what my friend adds to the world, how their strengths are different from mine. And this helps me love them and be a better friend to them. There's a quote from the book, which I would like to read, which uses the metaphor of navigating by the stars 
to communicate these ideas really well, both the concept of appreciating one another for our differences, as well as uh, finding the ways in which we're interconnected. So here's the quote. You're jumping into the navigating part too soon. Maybe you should focus on the beauty of those stars up there apart from their function. Just take them in, admire them before you expect them to lead the way. Besides, who's to say that one group of stars belongs together and only together? Those stars up there are drawn to each other in lots of different ways. They're connected in unexpected ways, just like people. So that's a little taste of the kind of imagery Claire Vanderpool uses throughout the novel. And, you know, you know, it is truly ironic, but it's when I'm trapped inside myself, imagining that my story is different from everyone else's, that's when I get lost. It, it cuts me off from everyone who could help me. But if someone is faithful enough to show me that my story is not unique, that I in fact share it with countless others, with everyone else, actually. I mean, we all live the same story in, in many ways. When a friend shows me that, they've essentially taken me by the hand and shown me a map and said, you're not alone and there is a way home. We all need people like that in our lives. And I think we all need to strive to be that person for others as well. Interestingly, at the boys' school in the book, Morton Hill Academy, the motto of the U.S. Marines is engraved on the school entryway. It says Semper Fidelis, which means always faithful. And that idea is central to Jack and Early's friendship as they figure each other out and learn what it really means to be a faithful friend to someone. As much as I would like to, I know I can't do the book justice in a short podcast episode, but there's my attempt. It is a beautiful story with a lot of truth to tell, and I do think you'll enjoy reading it. Officially, Navigating Early is middle grade fiction, recommended for kids age 10 and up, but honestly, I recommend it for all ages because here's the thing. Let me let me quote C.S. Lewis. Uh, you've probably heard him quoted on the value of children's literature for adults, and I couldn't agree more. He wrote in one place, no book is really worth reading at the age of 10, which is not equally and often far more worth reading at the age of 50. So you may not be one who enjoys reading children's literature as an adult, but I will just testify that I thoroughly enjoyed reading Navigating Early as a 20-something, and I think adults at any age can appreciate the characters and the themes at work here. I also think this would be an excellent book to read as a family. It is adventurous and lighthearted in many ways, but it does also incorporate some thought-provoking themes and questions that would open up, I think, a lot of conversations between parents and kids. So you'd have the opportunity to talk through the choices the characters make, 
their relationships and just what things or ideas the book presents as valuable or true. And, you know, while I'm talking about Claire Vanderpool, let me just put in a plug for her other children's book as well, Moon Over Manifest. Like her second book, this one has delightful characters, uh, stories in layers, this interplay of the past and the present, which is fascinating. And it's just wholesome. There's just a refreshing quality to Claire Vanderpool's stories. And while there's not much uh, explicit Christianity, the books are positively oriented toward the Christian faith. And the worldview clearly has a moral underpinning that puts everything on solid ground. All that to say, I, I do highly recommend both of her books. So that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this look at Navigating Early, and I hope if you haven't read the book that maybe you give it a chance. If you try it, let me know what you think, and I'd love to extend this discussion beyond the podcast. You can send me an email at kittywham at gmail.com or message me on Facebook or Instagram. In episode four next week, I'm excited to share with you the first novel of one of my favorite authors of all time, the great Charles Dickens. We will be looking at his book, The Pickwick Papers, and some of the intriguing context surrounding the work. So I hope you join me for that next week, and thanks so much for tuning in.